I was recently visiting with a retired priest, and during our conversation, we reflected on a number of things, and he told me how he was a young priest in the 1950s, and at that time, the church was growing, and churches were full, and uh, Catholic churches and Catholic schools were building and expanding their, their properties, and it was an exciting time to be a priest. And he tells me that he labored his whole life to work for the kingdom of God, to serve God and his people. And now he finds himself retired. And in his retirement, he sometimes gets a little discouraged. Because after all these many years of, of pouring out his life for the church, he looks around and he sees quite the opposite of his experience whenever he was a young priest. He sees that more and more churches are emptying, that more and more people are losing their faith, that um, very few churches are building and expanding. And sometimes it could just be a little disheartening. And I think we can all kind of feel that way sometimes whenever we reflect on the reality of the world. Sometimes we can, can look at, you know, Maybe it's the news or maybe it's social media or blogs or whatever it is, but sometimes we can just be a little disheartened and discouraged by the world and by the church, either globally or nationally or even locally, and sometimes we can be a little frustrated. But all of us, regardless of where we find ourselves, regardless of our generation and circumstance in life, all of us are called to sanctify the world. All of us are called to share and participate in Jesus' mission to redeem the world. I was telling that the, the retired priest, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit different from my perspective because I'm still young. And for me, it's motivating. I see how much work needs to be done and I don't really have the past to compare it to. But, but regardless, all of us, Share in the mission of Jesus Christ. And, and God became man so that he could redeem all of the world and, and create a new heavens and a new earth. And we don't just sit back and watch this happen. We have a special role to play in that. And that's what today's gospel is all about. And so we, we continue with the, the Sermon on the Mount. I mentioned last week that this was Jesus' most famous homily, his, his, um, his most famous sermon. Last week, we discussed the Beatitudes, and the very next thing that he, he, he talks about is these two metaphors that most of us have probably heard often enough. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What I'd like to do is just kind of go a little bit deeper to expose perhaps what they mean, perhaps a little bit beyond the obvious. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the four senses of Scripture, and the first sense of Scripture is the literal sense. In other words, the, the way in which the first century Jews would have heard it. Um, what, what did the original authors in the gospel um, uh, intend for this to mean? So uh, when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, well, the primary meaning is very similar, similar to what we understand salt to mean for us today. Salt is about flavor. You add salt in order to add flavor, and it enhances your meal. But there's something additional that perhaps most of us may not be thinking about. 
In the Old Testament, there were bloody sacrifices and unbloody sacrifices. In the temple, when they would offer worship to God, the priests would go into the temple and they would offer up a sacrifice. So the bloody sacrifices would be from the, the animals. They would kill an animal and, and slaughter, you know, a lamb or an ox or whatever, and they set it on fire and, and it's an offering to God. But there was also unbloody sacrifices. These were called cereal offerings. And it wasn't Fruit Loops and Cocoa Puffs. This was, these were bread offerings. These were grain offerings. And these bread offerings, the cereal offerings, oftentimes, interestingly enough, would also include wine. And in a way, it was almost as if you were sharing a meal with God. You'd have bread and wine, and, and you would, you know, like the other sacrifices, you would offer that up to the Lord at the altar. What's interesting, though, is that there's a number of places throughout the Old Testament, particularly in Leviticus chapter 2, where it says, Whenever you have these cereal offerings, you must add salt, which is amazing and interesting that God instructs his people, add salt to the cereal offerings. And it goes on to repeat itself, you know, in order to create emphasis and make sure it's absolutely clear. It says, make sure you do not forget the salt of the covenant in your cereal offering." And so for, for those of you that have maybe uh, studied a little bit about our Eucharistic theology, or maybe you've heard sermons on that before, like, it's interesting. We, too, have an offering at an altar that involves bread and wine. But we know that it, this is the new covenant of Jesus Christ, and the bread and wine become no longer bread and wine, but rather Jesus Christ's body and blood, soul and divinity, offered on the altar to God the Father on behalf of the whole world. But it begs the question, where is the salt? You are the salt of the earth. Just to say that you and I, we are the, the ones added to the cereal offering of the new covenant. We are added to this Eucharistic sacrifice that Jesus brings up to God the Father. And I've said it before, but it's so important to say over and over again because it's so easy to forget. We do not come to church simply to receive. We don't come to church simply just to feel good. We come to church not as bystanders and spectators. We come to participate in this offering. We come to share in this Eucharistic offering of Jesus to the Father. St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is how it's done. We offer ourselves, our bodies and our souls, our prayers, our intentions, our hopes, dreams, failures, and sins even. We offer all of that to Jesus at this altar. And he brings it to God the Father. And in that offering, we share in the sanctification of the world. God is making a new heavens and a new earth spiritually by this offering in which all of us participate. You are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. So let's unpack that one a little bit. Whenever the first century Jews would have heard, you are the light of the world, they probably would have thought of Isaiah the prophet. Because there's a number of times in the prophet Isaiah where he refers to the people of God as the light 
to the nations. The light to the nations. Meaning, how God chose to reveal himself first to the Israelites and to use them as a light to all the rest of the people around the world, all the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles, people like you and me. But he started with a chosen people, and he taught them how to worship and how to pray and how to live, and he had very specific instructions and formation for them so that they could be a light to the rest of the world. And so when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he, he's speaking into that reality that, that, that we do not just receive revelation from God for our own benefit, but rather it's to enlighten everyone else. And Jesus goes on and he says, let your light shine so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God the Father. So this is really important and really interesting because Jesus is very intentional here. He's very specific with his words. He says, so that they see your good deeds, your kala erga in Greek, good deeds. There's no other way to translate that. Your good works. When people see your works of charity, then they will glorify God the Father. How are we the lights of the world? Through charity, through concrete acts of mercy, tangible ways in which we serve other people. In other words, faith alone is not enough. Jesus says you are the light of the world. Shine that light by your works, by your charity, by your good deeds. So in summary... God is calling all of us to sanctify the world, to share in his mission to redeem all of the world and all of creation into a new heavens and a new earth. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through our prayers and our sacrifices, through salt, being the salt of the earth, and through our works of charity and mercy, being the light of the world. Through an internal disposition of participating in in Jesus' offering to the Father, salt of the earth, and through the external manifestation of that relationship with God, expressed through acts of charity and service and mercy, light of the world. So we all know that the world is sinful. We all know there's plenty of evil out there, and there's plenty of reason to get discouraged. Fine. But I guess the, the question that I want us to think, very simple today, yes, the world is simple, Are you making it better or worse? Do you get so discouraged that you just focus on your own life, try to make your own living, focus on your own family, and you just don't worry about the world? If you're isolating yourself, I just wonder if you're really making that much of a difference. Or... Are you intentionally offering prayer and sacrifice every day, never missing an opportunity to unite with Jesus' offering to God the Father? Are you finding opportunities to express self-giving love to your neighbor, to, to others, people other than yourself, through works of mercy and acts of charity? 
you may have heard of the, the, the corporal works of mercy. They're traditionally the church kind of um, highlights seven ways in which we can um, show mercy to others. So those are, um, let's see if I can remember them. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, care for the sick, visit the imprisoned, and bury the dead. You know, sometimes whenever you look at that list, though, we feel like we have to, like, schedule it in advance. Like, we'll do that during Lent. We'll go somewhere else, be a part of a program. Or maybe we got to spend thousands of dollars to go on a trip to a different country, and then we can do works of mercy. And although those things are fine and good and, and, and encouraged, if you're able to, we really don't have to leave our own homes to engage in acts of charity. I mean, think about it. Feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty. I mean, whoever cooks at the home already does that. But imagine, you know, there are other people in the family if they would help out. Maybe help out with the grocery shopping or volunteer to cook instead. Or help with the dishes so that it's not all placed on mom. Uh, let's see, clothing the naked. We all have way too many clothes. What if we went through our closet every now and then and, and gave clothes to the, to, um, the local organizations that, that help those in need? Of course, if you're a mom of a baby, an infant, or a young child, you're clothing the naked often. Um, let's see. The um, shelter the homeless. What if we helped around the house and it wasn't all just on dad? For outdoors, or, or a mom, um, or if it, our neighbors that are that are, you know, maybe not able to help around the house as often. What if we What if we helped people in our neighborhood that needed help in their homes? It's an indirect way, but still a meaningful way to shelter the homeless. And then there's care for the sick and visit the imprisoned, and even bury the dead. All of those. What if we just spent quality time with those in need, with those who are sick, or with those who are imprisoned with loneliness because they don't fit in or they're just going through a tough time and they're depressed and they're down, or maybe they're grieving? What if we spent quality time with them, attentive to them, listening to them, instead of running to our own pleasures and our own screen time? See, we can engage in these acts of charity, these works of mercy, without going on very expensive trips. And in these ways, we become the light of the world. And then those who experience this love of the Father, they glorify God because of this light. So today we want to pray for that grace to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that we would sanctify the world in union with Jesus Christ internally through our prayers and our sacrifice and externally through the manifested works of mercy and charity. And as we do that, we share in the most important mission of all of history, the sanctification of the entire world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.